Hello, everyone, and inside today's episode of Locked on Canadians, we're talking about Yuri Slavkovsky and how everyone needs to calm down just a little bit about the Canadians' first overall pick. And then we are answering all of your listener questions in a very special Tuesday edition of The Mailbag. For Locked on Canadians, your daily podcast on the Montreal Canadiens, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 688 of Lockdown Canadians. As always, thank you for making us your first listen. If you're listening wherever you get your podcast, or if you are seeing our smiling faces on YouTube, thank you so much. Subscribe, enjoy. The regular season is not that far away at this point. We are less than a month away from the start of the regular season, and we are back to five shows a week here at Lockdown Canadians. As always, I am one of your hosts. I am Scott Mallon. I'm joined, as always, by the active stick, Laura Saba and Laura we're engaging in discourse today. Are you ready to engage in the current Canadians fans discourse? Or are we just going to go back to summer and talk about like Sean Monaghan eating terrible toast or something? <laughs> I think we have to engage in the discourse, unfortunately, because it's there and it's overblown and we have to address it. So uh, the prospect showcase ended. We are recording this on Sunday evening uh, I, in Buffalo and I, or I am in Buffalo anyways. And I've been home from that, uh, from the rookie showcase. And Uri Slavkovsky played two games uh, for the Canadians prospect. He played against Buffalo and he played against the Senators on Sunday. And the main thing that I have seen so far is people freaking out that he just did not dominate this, you know, showcase tournament. He didn't score a million goals. I, I don't even think he had a point in the tournament. He might have had one or two at most, but people are freaking out a little bit about the lack of production and whether or not, you know, they made the right choice or the wrong choice in this or that. My whole thing with this is if you're going to say that he's going to be a bust because he didn't produce in this, you didn't watch him play in either of the two games. And I saw two different versions of the same player in this tournament. Um, but Laura, I, before I launch into kind of what I saw in person there, I want to get your thoughts and um, what your general vibe is on this whole narrative that's going around now that Slavkovsky is going to be no good because he didn't score in a prospect tournament. Well, didn't he like generate the goal that ended up being like Phil- Philip Mayshar's goal in the first night or something? Uh, yeah, he had a shorthanded uh, break down the wing and set that up in. Yeah, so he had the assist on that. But I think that might have been it overall. I think the problem is that there's so much scrutiny on him right now because of the way the draft went, right? He wasn't the person that most people expected uh, the Canadians to take. And then he turned out to be this guy who did everything he could to kind of endear himself to the fans. And he still, unfortunately, has to walk on eggshells at the moment. But the thing that we have to remember is that the knock on him was consistency, right? The ceiling is sky high. It's so, so high. I just think that, you know we kind of have to drown out all of the people that don't want us to enjoy having this player. We have to drown out, you know, the people who were trying to rain on our parade and who don't want us to be happy, who, who actively want him to be a bust. 
because that's not going to do anyone any favors. He's still 18 years old. He's very, very young. Um, and he's accomplished a lot to this to, to date, but he's still a very raw talent. And that's something that we have to remember, you know, like he made such a name for himself in the Olympics. He was playing against men, blah, blah, blah. He left home at a young age, lived alone, all of that stuff. That doesn't make him a grown up, a fully formed well-rounded player that makes him a raw talent that the canadians have to and we talked about this is that how is he going to reach his his ceiling is if the canadians throw in all of their development resources into him and i think when you're a player that's that uh that that young that that early in your career inconsistency is to be expected right and i think that the canadians should be patient with him they should do whatever they can to put him in a position to succeed and the rest of us need to stop freaking out because in two games against other rookies he didn't score other than a point or he made a few mistakes we knew that going in all the draft reports on him like they had flaws in them like there were flaws in his game we knew that but those flaws are things that he's gonna have to overcome with practice with development with guidance right we talked about it in our in our friday episode the things that are missing from his game are not lack of talent things they're habit things that he needs to change and improve and, and the thing about this is that, yeah, he only had the one assist. He drew so much attention from opposing teams that it's not just one guy trying to battle him off the puck and it's two and they're not succeeding at that. He looked like a men amongst boys on most shifts out there. He's a thoroughbred. He's big. He skates so much faster than I had thought. He's able to close the gap effectively. He leverages his body very well. And he's always trying to make high skill plays and he's succeeding a lot against the Sabres rookies. The biggest issue I had with him is he's trying to charge headlong into a group of them and battle his way through them. And by sheer numbers, they're going to get the puck off his stick. That's just kind of how it works against the senators. He was much more composed and patient scanning the zone a little bit more often, not playing hero puck as much. And it makes him just as effective. I get, yeah, he didn't have a ton of goals. He, Easily could have had a goal and an assist against the Senators, but, you know, good goaltending prevented that. I saw all the little nuances in his game, and it's what you want to see from a player in that spot. He learned from his mistakes in the first game where, yeah, it looks great when he charges in there and he's trying to dangle through three guys. You want to see him take risks. You always want to see your players try and take risks to improve their position, but him playing with patience and scanning the zone and everything really makes him a much more efficient player. And I don't know what the NHL season is going to hold for him. I don't even know if he's going to be here the entire NHL season. But there's so many things about his game that he never had the space to really generate and use his shot because he was getting double teamed a lot in the offensive zone. They're using him at the net front to use his frame and his skills and his talents with that. He didn't have the space to operate in a way that is most effective for him. At the NHL level, I'm not anticipating teams trying to double or triple team a rookie winger. If they want to, that's fine, especially if he's potentially playing on a line with Cole Caulfield on the other side. That's going to suit Cole Caulfield just fine. You, everyone's got to not freak out about this. It was two games in a preseason prospect showcase with line mates outside of Philip Mayshar that he's never really played with before. He's going to be fine. The wheels are all there. The skills are there. He's going to score a goal at the Bell Center, and the place is going to come absolutely unhinged. And everyone's going to finally take that deep breath they need to right now. So I am here to tell all of you, 
as your friend, your daily podcast host here at Lockdown Canadians. Take a deep breath. Everyone needs to relax, R-E-L-A-X, about Uri Slavkovsky. It is, you are going to give yourself a heart attack by game 15 if you try and keep this pace up. Deep breaths and relax. I am begging you. We are going to change gears a little bit here. It is Tuesday when you are listening to this, and we had to push off the Friday mailbag last week because of the prospect showcase. So coming up in our next segment, we are going to dive into your listener questions on a very special edition of the mailbag. But first, we have a word from our sponsors at betonline.net. They are your number one source for all your pro and college football betting needs. And if you're looking for daily matchups, news, podcasts for every game in the NFL or NCAA, they've got you covered. And if football isn't your speed, they've got baseball, they've got golf, the NHL season's right around the corner, they got boxing and MMA. There is something for everybody at Bet Online. You can get all your live wagering, esports scores, and more all on one easy to use website. So head to betonline.net today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action. Bet Online, where the game starts. So we are back. We are jumping into the Tuesday edition of the mailbag this week. We promise these will be generally on Friday once we get our schedule back on track here, five shows a week. Uh, if you want to send us questions at LO underscore Canadians on Twitter, LockdownCanadians at gmail.com. Uh, you can put them in the YouTube comments. Don't be a jerk. We don't like jerks. No one likes jerks. Laura, what do we have in the mailbag to start today? So Paul G left a comment on our predictions episode, which was a couple of weeks ago, but you know, we're, we're just getting to the mailbag questions now. Um, with so many forwards, uh, also Paul G pointed out that we forgot Schooneman uh, when we were talking about who might be in the NHL lineup on defense. Uh, for the mailbag, with so many forwards, don't you think Hughes will have to move off his stance of retaining some part of Hoffman or Armia's contract in order to get some value back in a trade? I'm pretty sure we didn't do this episode. We didn't do this question. Did we? I don't. I don't think so. And I also don't think he's going to have to because teams are going to be looking for pieces in the preseason. Here, injuries are going to happen. Someone might not be a fit, and they might not be ready to make the jump into the NHL. And teams are going to need to fill those spots. I. I. Uh, someone brought up a very good point that we were talking at the rookie tournament. That ah, well, this player could be only a Mike Hoffman ceiling, so they're going to be a regular NHL player. There's no downside to that. Mike Hoffman is not a bad player overall. He's just not a player the Canadians need right now, hence wanting to move him out. Same with Yol Armia. They are a luxury that the Canadians do not really need or can afford at this point. There are teams that would love Yol Armia. Just the way that he plays hockey, I think, is very appealing to a lot of teams. And some teams are going to want a Mike Hoffman, a guy who can score power play goals. Hughes is a player agent first and foremost. He knows how this works and he knows how to play the long game on this. Is he might going to have to, you know, take a lower trade than he originally wanted? Potentially, yeah. But I don't think his whole retaining thing is going to be an issue here. There are a lot of teams with a lot of cap space still out there who are going to want to add pieces. I, I don't think it's going to be as big a deal as we think of. Everyone is now just getting back into the office, I guess, at this point for NHL GMs and front offices. Things are going to start snowballing here very quickly. Like I expect a lot of news in the next week or so as they get ready for uh, training camp, inter-squad games, and the start of the NHL preseason. And 
I, you know, I agree with you on that. And sort of in the same sort of vein, Patrick L on YouTube, I feel like Montreal should look to maximize the returns for the trade deadline. Who do you think has the most value in a trade other than Suzuki and Caulfield? If this means playing Slavkovsky in the AHL to try and get Drouin, Hoffman, or Anderson on the first line to boost their point totals and perhaps getting a best a better return. So who do you think has the most value for the Canadians? I think GMs would pay the most for Josh Anderson. Uh, Josh Anderson and Christian Dvorak, honestly. Um Christian Dvorak is someone that I'm now talking myself out of even wanting to trade at this point because I think we don't know where Kirby Doc's at overall. And I think Christian Dvorak is someone who is so multifaceted and enjoyed a lot of success under Martin St. Louis that getting rid of him right now feels like a step in the wrong direction. I know Sean Monahan is here, but we're also expecting he's not going to be here past the trade deadline in February. Um so I, I, I've kind of talked myself into thinking uh, Dvorak should stay, but I would understand uh, if they traded him. I think there's a lot of value for a very good two-way center, a guy who can contribute on your power play and your penalty kill and at five on five. But Josh Anderson just has that. He has that golden gift. He's big, very big, and he's very fast. And the NHL, despite all of its progress towards modernizing as a league, has GMs who look at someone like Josh Anderson and go, I got to get that guy immediately. He's big. He skates like the wind. He hits like a Mack truck. He will fight for his teammates. He's devilishly handsome. He makes Leaf fans angry. Josh Anderson is a GM's dream. Uh, yeah, there are flaws to his game that we know. But at the same time, there's there's so much value in that. The contract's a little rough, but if a GM really wants Josh Anderson – a GM's going to go ahead and get Josh Anderson at some point. So I, I think that they are right that he has the most value, but I think Dvorak has a sneaky amount of value as well for this team. One more question, Patrick L second question before we end this, this, this segment, second question, say for bottom three at or nearing the trade deadline, say with Chicago and Arizona in the mix. Would you trade Slavkovsky to one of those two teams with other parts, obviously, to add an extra chance to get the first overall pick if another team would be willing to do this? No, no. Like, we're not trading the first overall pick less than a year into his tenure in Montreal to try and get another first overall pick. If you're in the bottom three, you're still not going to be good. And I don't think the Habs will be bottom three, bottom five, ten, easily. Yes, bottom three, no. Chicago went literal scorched earth on their team. Like, they have three kids in a trench coat and, like, their starting lineup. It's fine. I don't want to give up on this kid before we see him. Because the thing is, we've seen in the past, it was um, John LeClaire was a big, powerful winger. He had some good, if not inconsistent, seasons with the Montreal Canadiens. And then he went off to Philadelphia and with Eric Lindros, they formed that Legion of Doom line. And everyone goes, we haven't had a power winger like that since then. I do not want to run through repeat history here. Learn from your past mistakes. And you're not going to know exactly what Slavkovsky is by that point. He's still young and he's still developing. And just getting rid of him at that point feels like you're pulling the shoot and going, we made a mistake at that point. And... That, that's just not a thing I want to do at all. So 
Uh, I would not make that trade. Other pieces, yeah, but Slavkovsky is not someone I would be trading in that situation, at least not right now. Uh, we got time for one more. Should we push them into the next segment, Laura? No, because the, the, the answer to this question will be a bit long. So, All right. So we are going to get to the rest of your mailbag questions. Remember, you can tweet us at LO underscore Canadians or send them to LockdownCanadians at gmail.com. In our final segment coming up next, we are going to get to the rest of your mailbag questions. All right. We are back. We are Locked On Canadians. We are answering your mailbag questions here for the Tuesday mailbag, a very special Friday edition of the mailbag on Tuesday because time has no meaning and everything is fake in a construct. Laura, what else is in the mailbag today? Uh, from Connor K, what quest, What will Laval's roster be looking like this year? Uh, very good. Uh, there's a lot of guys that are on NHL deals that are going to be down there. They lost uh, Jean-Sebastien D. Sammy Niku went back to uh, Europe. Uh, Xavier Ouellette signed with the Pittsburgh Penguins. Louis Bopedio signed with the Flyers. They rebuilt the defense. So we are going to see guys like Barron and Harris and Gooley and Jack Eye and everything in there. But a good chunk of the core from last year's team is back. Rafael Harvey Pinard is back. Alex Belzeal is back. Donick Martel is back again. Um, Gabriel Bork is back again. They added a guy like Anthony Richard and Mitchell Stevens, who are that quadruple A players, we call them. Very good in the AHL, not good enough to be an NHL regular outside of a few spots here or there. Um, the Rocket roster, and this doesn't include, you know, Slavkovsky potentially being on that roster at some point. It's a lot of very talented pieces. And watching how Jean- Jean-Francois Houle handled the prospects at the tournament here in Buffalo, uh, I'd say that the Rocket are in very good hands. The expectations are high now. Their playoff run really gave them, you know, a taste of this is what we can be. I think they've improved the team on last year. The defense might not be as settled, but I think overall they have improved their team that they should be one of the top teams in the North division and one of the teams to beat in the Eastern conference again this year. Speaking of defense, we're going to turn our attention to the Habs. Patrick L has a question who will lead on defense for the Habs in ice time points, hits or plus minus, and who will be the number one defenseman at the end of the year? Uh, Ice time, time I, it's got to be like, it's got to be Joel Edmondson. No, it's going to be Joel Edmondson. Like there's, I, I, if he is healthy, we know he can play, you know, 25 minutes a night pretty easily. Um, Mike Matheson will also be up there. I think Matheson will be your points leader on defense as well. I think they're really excited to see what he can do on the power play this year. Um, and I do think he's going to be a guy that even if he's not playing the same defensive minutes that Joel Edmondson is, he's still going to play a lot in that Jeff Petrie like role. Um, hits, hits and I'm, plus minus. I, I I hate plus minus so much. Um, I honestly think one of the third pairing guys might be one of the plus minus leaders. The Canadians are going to get scored on a lot, folks. I I hate to break it to you. Uh, if the defense manages to keep close to an even plus minus, I think we did pretty well this year. Um, hits, it's going to probably be Edmondson. It might be David Savard. Alexander Romanov is no longer here. He would have been the easy answer. Um, it could be Caden Gooley. Uh, if he makes the roster right out of camp there, he might. He was throwing the body around at the prospect showcase too. Um, but yeah, uh, Edmondson and Matheson are likely your answers for a lot of, for like almost everything that uh, that was asked in this question here. 
Speaking of Caden Gooley, uh, self-plug time. I was on the Absent-Minded podcast and the Caden Gooley episode will be going up at some point this week because they're doing the top 25 under 25 and I can't spoil the day, but keep your eye out for that. I was on with with Patrick and Anton and it was um, a very wonderful time. And, you know, I love Caden Gooley and talking about Caden Gooley. Uh, so we've got a question from Bill V on email. Uh, are the Habs bringing in any players for professional tryouts? If so, I have not seen any. Or perhaps it to, to try and fill out some HL roster spots. The players who are available, now this was a couple, like it was a week ago. So I'm not sure if it's still accurate, but I'm pretty sure it is because I didn't see any of these guys get signed. Calvin DeHaan, Anton Strawman, Ant- Antoine Roussel, Tyler Mott, and P.K. Subban were available at the time that he asked this question. And I'm pretty sure they're all still available. No, Mott signed with the Senators on a one-year deal. Uh, Calvin DeHaan is going to Carolina, I believe, on a PTO. Um, Subban is still out there. Roussel is still out there. Um, And so I I believe Strawman is still out there as well. Now that the prospect showcase is done and uh, looking at the schedule, the red versus white scrimmage is a week from today. And then the next preseason game is the day after that. So we are, wow, that jumped up very quickly. Is If there's going to be PTOs, they're going to be coming in tomorrow. Now that Hughes and Gordon are done with this here in Buffalo and they're you know, taking all their large adult sons back to Montreal, um, they're going to then, I think you're going to see a lot of guys released very quickly after the red-white scrimmage here once everyone starts to get back into town for practice. Like the junior guys who are not going to crack this roster are likely going to go back in the next couple of days. And I think you're going to see the PTO guys, if they're going to come in at all, it's going to be soon. So um, so there might even be players signed on PTOs before this episode even drops on Tuesday morning. Yes. So uh, by um, the end of the week, we will have information on that. I think they're going to get these PTOs in here before the first game, if anything else. So next question from our friend, Randy Hansen, what second tier prospect has raised their value the most this off season and rookie camp? Uh, we talked about it in our up and our three up three down episode on Monday. Uh, William Trudeau has done a lot to bolster his stock in the eyes of people who are watching him. Um, Arbor Jacki, uh, which uh, he's divisive, but I think his physicality and his just willingness to be there for his teammates really like fans loved him when he got out of the box in Buffalo after his fight on Sunday. The crowd gave him a standing ovation. Like people love this guy a lot. Um, Owen Beck, I wouldn't consider him a second tier prospect, at least not on this show, but I think a lot of people now getting to watch him for the first time. Uh, we get to say Lauren Kelly, you were correct. You were very, very correct. Thank you. Come back on our show to talk about Owen Beck even more in the future. <laughs> um, he definitely did a lot that he was the the player of the tournament for Canadians prospects. And I don't think it's relatively close in that regard. Uh, Jason F asks, is the hype around Mayu real? I mean, is he really that good? So he's played 12 games. People keep asking us and he's played 12 games. I want to see him in a full season or, you know, whenever he comes back from the injury. Yes. I want to see what he does with that. That's the thing is if he, if he is hitting the ceiling that he is capable of, then yes, the hype is likely very real. We don't know where that ceiling is anymore because he hasn't been healthy. He was suspended for, you know, his actions in Sweden. He's missed a lot of development time. And the thing about it is he has a hard shot. He can play physical. 
you can combine a lot of things that people like seeing from Caden Gooley and Arbor Jacki and et cetera. But we don't know if he can consistently do those because he hasn't been in the lineup. And now he's coming back from a shoulder injury. He was not able to play in this tournament. And I think a lot of people wanted to see that. I don't have a chance to watch him all that often because he's not in the lineup. I can't form a full opinion of his game off of 12 games in the OHL. It's just and I want to make it clear. I want to make it like we're not frustrated with the person asking this question. We're frustrated with the hype. Yes. It, here's the thing is like if he plays well, great. Awesome. I just don't know what his ceiling is at this point. And it, it's I know that there's nuances dead on the Internet, but like this is not related to his off ice stuff. This is just I don't know. Yeah. I'm giving you my opinion as someone who I'm not going to call myself a scout who analyzes prospects and watches prospects in the AHL and the junior leagues. I don't know what to make of him because he has not played enough for me to form an opinion of him. That's, and that's, yeah, that's simple that too. Like, I think the question is legitimate. Like, is he really that good? I think that question is absolutely legitimate because there's so much noise around him for good reason. Right. And so if, and when the Canadians feel that he's done what he needs to do and he has learned and grown as, as they say in notes app apologies, if he's done the work that he needs to do, if the Canadians think that, like if we turn our attention to what he can do on the ice, we still don't know. So like for me, I'm getting frustrated because people either get really mad at you when you say he's that good, or they get really mad at you when you when they say when you say he's not that good. And I truly believe, I really strongly believe that the answer is somewhere in between right now. Like I don't think that you can definitively say he's that good or that bad. I don't think so. All I can say is that he's injured and he's played 12 games. And you know, and again, like it's the Canadians have decided probably the way that they've been behaving, that he's done the work that he needs to do. You know, it's not it's it's not up to us to decide whether he has changed or or his has grown and has become, you know, a better person or whatever. But it is up to us to say that, like, you can't tell a whole lot from 12 OHL games. And we're going to see this season when he comes back from injury. And hopefully he, you know. I, I, I don't want him to be bad. I'm not, I'm not rooting against him. I'm just saying we can't tell right now. So we gotta, we gotta tone down the noise a little bit. And I do think that Jack, that is a, like a, a legitimate question to ask. Um, it's just that the answer right now is just an unknown. Uh, Ryan S on Twitter, where should uh, Yessi Alonen play this season, given the absurd amount of wingers the Habs have in the NHL? Personally, I think it's time for him to graduate to the NHL full-time, but there's no room for him. I, I I look at it this way is that I think he should be on the NHL roster this year, but until some of the other names are traded, he won't be, and that's okay. He still has work to do in his game. Uh, I wrote his top 2,525 profile for Eyes on the Prize, and I noted he has some consistency things that he needs to work on. His defensive work game needs a little bit of work, he can still do those things in the AHL this year. And I think that's going to be is, you know, keep yourself in the lineup, work on your consistency a little bit and try to harness something because he's got a ton of skill. He's easily one of the most skilled prospects in the Canadian system right now. And when he gets called up to the NHL, will be one of the most skilled players there too. He's a ridiculously good skater with very slick hands. If you're looking for a comparison, like Philip Mayshar is, Yessi Alonen is it. And I think there is some time for that. He will play NHL games this year, barring anything bad happening. He will be an NHL player this year. It might be a cup of coffee here and there. And then depending on how the season goes after the trade deadline, 
but he will be an NHL player this year. And I think next year after that, uh, he should be a regular in this lineup going forward. Got a couple of questions left. One is from KCD. Um, my favorite time of the week. Sorry, <laughs> the mailbag was late this week, Casey. Uh, my question is, out of the players who did not get an invite to the rookie camp- tournament, who would you have loved to see crack the roster? Uh, Lane Hudson. Uh, I love Sean Farrell, but I want to watch Lane Hudson play in person. I, I really, really, truly do. Um, I'm excited to watch him play in college. Um, I know how good Sean Farrell is. I've been able to watch enough of his footage already. Um Watching how the smaller guys played so well in this tournament, it only made me want to see Lane Hudson play more, honestly. Like, he's he has the potential to be something really, really special for the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, question for the mailbag from Randy Hansen. With the captaincy and the assistant captains named, is there anyone that you think was snubbed in this process that should have a letter on their jersey? Because um, it's Edmondson and Gallagher wearing the A's and Nick Suzuki's wearing the C. Uh I think Paul Byron a little bit. I know that he was a Mark Bergevin guy, but I think Paul Byron has been one of the most consistent leaders in this locker room. Um, And then Jake Allen and Carey Price not being able to wear a letter because that's the NHL's rule. Um, I think with the amount that they've put in and the amount that they've carried in the past, obviously Carey Price isn't playing this year, but Jake Allen should wear an A for all the crap he put up with last year and just trying to do his best to keep this team together and net. Um, let a goalie wear an A. I don't, I don't care. They can't wear a C, let them wear an A. If there's a problem with it, um, Jeff Molson will pay the fine. Who cares? He's got more money than God. It's fine. <laughs> um, and I think also Josh Anderson deserves an honorable mention for off ice. Yes. yes. I don't know about on ice. <laughs> He's probably a little <laughs> bit of a canon there. Um, definitely uh, uh, off ice, you know, team yeah dryness <laughs> um randy has another question had deep dish pizza in chicago this week it was terrible what city or region specific dish did you have that bombed for you okay here's a hot take randy hansen deep dish pizza is really good but there's like three places that you need to go otherwise they're really disappointing i've done that i've fallen into that trap so we'll talk <laughs> about chicago uh scott what regional specific dish did you have that bombed for you so, and I, I realize I'm saying this with an earshot of said restaurant, uh, the wings at Anchor Bar were just fine. Um, it didn't bomb, but I, I haven't had a region-specific food that I didn't really love. Like, I went to Montreal. The smoked meat was great. The poutine was great. I, you know, had Bell Center hot dogs. They were great. I've had lobster rolls in Maine and, you know, on the coast in Connecticut. They were great. I, I can't think of a region-specific food I've had that's been bad. I've had bad versions of region specific food, um, but I've never had one that like actually truly bombed. I haven't had an authentic Chicago deep dish. It is on my list, um, but I have not had one. So I cannot confirm or deny uh, Randy's account of said things. Okay. So there's another Chicago dish that actually did kind of disappoint me. I did. I, I love the, um, the, uh, the deep dish pizza it's it's not a pizza like if you go into it expecting like a tomato casserole i feel like it gets better <laughs> like i just i really enjoyed the deep dish and it, it sucks because i can't find any in montreal right and i'm not gonna make any myself as much as i'm a good cook i'm, I'm not um but the is it called the chicago beef like the yeah like it's it's like a sandwich with like oh like fixins it's like i think it's like i don't know if i had the right version or not 
Um, let me look this up. I probably should have been a little bit more prepared. <laughs> um, and I just, I thought like the concept of it, Chicago beef sandwich. Okay. It's composed of thin slices of seasoned roast beef simmered and served au jus on a long French roll. Okay. So it's got to be like. It's like a French onions. dip. Yeah, it basically. Like it's a French dip. Like... And I was expecting something that like would wow me. And I just thought, all right, it's a decent enough sandwich, but it wasn't anything special. Um, so don't yell at me, Chicago, please. Like that, that was the only thing that like, it was fine. It's its not that it, it bombed completely. I didn't think it was terrible, um, but it was just fine. And we have one more question from uh, Habination. What is your guilty pleasure? Uh, I love binge watching like the same four TV shows uh, while laying in bed on a Sunday. Um, I've done it with House. I have done it with Avatar The Last Airbender. I have done it with Rick and Morty. I have done it with Big Mouth. And I will probably do it with something like Parks and Rec or, you know, some other comfort show. I've done it with How I Met Your Mother, despite the fact that I despise Ted um, so much and the finale so much. But there's a comfort to having it on in the background because I know the show. Um but my that is my guilty pleasure. Uh, beyond that, I love white cheddar popcorn and will eat it by the bag full without even trying. That makes sense. So mine is not just binge watching, but specifically like bleak European like cop shows, like like detective shows where like it's like it's always like gray and blue and like the weather you can you can see the cold through the screen when you're watching it um you know like icelandic detective shows scandinavian detective shows uh broad church is one of them hinterland is one of them a lot of people have trouble with hinterland because it's not as visually appealing as broad church uh but i really you know that like that that kind of like really bleak really like atmospheric you could you could see the like the dew point on the screen um that that's that's the kind of show that i love to watch um it's my guilty pleasure like when i'm feeling down i'll watch it um usually when i'm feeling up i don't but <laughs> you know like after a long day or whatever like i just love like especially in the winter i love to curl up with shows like that so that is my guilty pleasure uh and that's it for our questions today scott uh as always if you want to send us more questions at lo underscore canadians on twitter lockdown canadians at gmail.com we do appreciate all of your messages. We are going to obviously have so much more coming up this week. Um, we are not recording Monday because we recorded two on Sunday. So any news we will get to when we record again on Tuesday evening ahead of the red-white scrimmage and the start of uh, training camp and everything else going on. Please make sure you follow Laura at The Active Stick, myself at Scott Matla. You can get us wherever you find your podcast every single day. When you're done with us, please check out Lockdown NHL with the season about to start. All our local experts are going to have all the news and information that you are looking for outside of the Montreal Canadiens. Thank you. We'll see you all next time.